Thank you for joining us for Revive the Drive, a ministry of the Bethany Fellowship of Churches. We live in a world where time is a precious commodity. One of the avenues for reviving our souls is the necessary commute to and from the many places our schedules take us. As the wheels of the car begin to turn, join our panel and set the wheels of your mind in motion as you consider the significance and impact of theology on everyday life. Let's listen in as our pastors talk theology. Welcome to Revive the Drive. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, I'm Rich Burkle, and I'm here with Art Georges and Daniel Bennett. Uh, we're pastors at Bethany Fellowship Churches, and today our t- topic continues on the theme of family, and we're going to look today first at uh, parents and their relationship with children, specifically their call from God not to provoke their children, and then children's relationship to their parents, specifically how can children honor their parents. So let's first start with the parents and our responsibility before God not to provoke our children to wrath. So that's a very, very clear biblical command to fathers not to exasperate our children, provoke them, tempt them. Mm. So what are some ways that you would say that parents uh, might provoke or exasperate their children? Well, first of all, I don't think any of us set out to do that. And I don't think any parent wants to be a bad parent in, in general. But uh, one of the ways that uh, we can exasperate our children is by holding them to standards of conduct that we haven't even taught or explained. I know there have been so many times that I've recognized that I have exasperated my older children by having expectations of them that they would do something or perform to a certain level uh, tasks around the home without even giving them those um, those uh, chores or tasks and kind of thinking, well, you know, if they loved me, they would just do these things. And, and that exasperates them because I end up getting frustrated and they don't know why. Yeah, that's, that's so unfair or unrealistic expectations, I think, un- uncommunicated expectations and, and disciplining when they there haven't been those expectations communicated. So now I was really personal there. I expect each of you to do the same so that I'm not seen as the only one that uh, struggles in this area. So my dad struggled with this. Uh, (laughs) I personally have witnessed Rich do this. (laughs) I think another way that we could potentially exasperate our children is by teaching them to live self-centered lives. Mm -hmm. Uh, We teach our children that the world revolves around them at a very early age. We create these child-centered homes. And and I I see this. uh, I I struggle with it. I see others struggle with it as well. Uh, Personally, art. No. Uh, There's there's ways that that we uh, we communicate (laughs) that. Also, along with that, uh, the idea of of teaching children to to live self-centered lives, we we teach them to love material things. Mm -hmm. And so... We are kind of we're recording this near the Christmas season, and it's it's a balance I think between wanting to to ex- get excited about the gifts you're going to give your children, but at the same time realize that that the gifts you're giving them have the potential to spiritually harm them mm-hmm. if, if you're not careful as as you as you shepherd them. First John two fifteen says, "Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him." 
for all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. So how can I as a parent uh, be careful to make sure that I'm not not, uh, leading my children into danger by giving them uh, a love for the things of this world? I think potentially I can do it by the gifts I give. Uh, I love ease of life, you know, and so sometimes I can come home from a, a long week or something and instead of saying, hey, let's spend some time relationally as a family and talk about how we're doing spiritually, I can say, hey, let's let's watch a movie or something. Mm-hmm. And and it's 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 giving them, I think, the wrong understanding about where joy in life can be found. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think uh, along with that, uh, teaching them uh, unknowingly to love the world, uh, we, we do that by not teaching them to be givers to give or to serve others, um, and we can exasperate them then with the future consequences of that. And that, that's provoking or, or tempting them to anger because it creates wrong expectations in their heart about what the way life should be, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. they, they begin to think with sort of an entitlement view about life that, that others are supposed to give me everything that I desire, and that's right. true for a, a two-year-old as well as a twenty-two-year-old, yeah. which which leads another to another way that parents provoke um, their children. And and uh, I've I've learned much about this even as uh, I've parented older uh, sons. So I, I have a a twenty-four-year-old; he just turned twenty-four, and a um, twenty-two-year-old, and then a sixteen-year-old now. And and uh, so the way the the way I, I parent has had to change over the years as my children have changed and grown. But one of the ways I think that we uh, can tempt our children to anger is by not taking into account their uh, maturity, mm-hmm. <laughs> their situation in life. Mm-hmm. So, And that can happen on both ends of the scale. With a two-year-old, we may ask them to do things that from their maturity, it's impossible. Um, it would be like you know asking uh, someone, "Hey, jump, jump that ten foot wall." And then when they don't, we get really angry with them for not jumping the ten foot wall because they just have a fundamental inability <laughs> to do that. So we can we can do that on the the one end. I guess I've learned much more over the last several years, maybe five years, uh, how I how I have done that on the other end. You know, exasperated my children by by uh, I'll say over coaching. So as a little one, you, you need to coach a lot because there's so much instruction that they need because there's so much ignorance that they have. But as they grow older, they, they want to be able to, and rightly so, uh, they want to be able to to have input but without, without uh, necessarily, I'll say, specific direction. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, uh, and so I've over – you know, I, I would say in, in the college years, I, I learned that I overcoached my children. It wasn't, it wasn't a good thing for them or for me. Um, and so I've had to realize, you know, what they need is my influence, not my direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Art, you have kids with a pretty wide – you have a wide span. I think your, old, your oldest is older than my oldest and your youngest is young. What's, what's the age span and, and how is that challenging yeah. to simultaneously parent at those different levels? Well, the oldest is 21 and the youngest is 8. And the challenge is that uh, the younger ones – uh, are in some respects experiencing things that are older for them than many of their peers, and so they have expectations of the world then that are uh, older than 
what they should be. And and so uh, what Rich had said earlier, um, this unreasonable expectation of the world then and what it owes them, uh, we see that or we hear that in the phrase, it's not fair. And what I usually have to point out to, to my children is, wait a minute, your definition of fairness has a lot to do with how it impacts you, right? And and so we have to teach them that um, the world isn't doesn't exist for themselves, especially the younger ones who are watching the older ones. And, and then we also have the challenge of uh, lightening the standard that we had, the older ones chafe under the fact that the younger ones seem to have it easier than they had whenever they were going through that age uh, time. Another way that I I think we see uh, parents provoking their children is in, uh, you you mentioned inconsistent rules, but but even as those rules, let's say we are consistent in our rules, but let's, but we begin to implement them in an unloving way. So we've communicated what the expectations are, what the discipline might be, but we we're very unloving as we administer it. Uh, Hebrews 12 talks about how the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every sin whom he re- who every son whom he receives. And I think the idea there for for me the application for me as a dad is that uh, my my children should look at my discipline. By discipline I don't just mean, you know, the corrective, but the, the whole entire process of, of corrective and training and, and all those things and, and have a sense that, that dad loves them in that, that process of training, both, both instruction and discipline, corrective mm-hmm. instruction. Yeah. The, the, the discipline that is applied has to be communicated in a way to the, the one receiving discipline mm-hmm. that, I'm doing this truly not because I'm exasperated and because I want to be at peace, but I'm doing this because I because it's 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 going to help you. And that's the only reason why I'm talking with you. That's the only reason why I'm taking this action is because I really desire your best. And 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 that's really what love is, isn't it? I mean, it's it's desiring the very best for the other person, not uh, the best for myself. And and oftentimes, parents were tempted to say, "This, this, you know, child's actions make me uncomfortable. I don't like that. It's either embarrassing or it's irritating, and so I don't like that. And so I need to find my peace by correcting my child, which is uh, the antithesis of love. Um, whenever we discipline, again, I, I think it's it's vital for us as parents to not." not merely seek after correct behavior. Again, that's sort of the external fruit, but look mm-hmm. more at the root of saying, what what's going to be helpful for the, the life of, of my child and for the life of the family? That's that's what we're really looking at when, we, when we're disciplining is saying, yeah. I, I really want to create the, a healthy root system because then there's going to be all sorts of good fruit. But if if I tend to this bad piece of fruit on the, on the uh, branch – and the the root system is is unhealthy. Then you know you're not going to be able to keep up with it. Right. And then what we end up doing is we end up training children to be legalistic. That we teach them that uh, it's their external behavior that wins approval with us, uh, regardless of what the condition of their heart is. Yeah. How would you define legalism in that way? So what what does it mean to train a child to be legalistic? Well, I, I think it means to to train instead of I, by contrast, you know, the 
we would argue that our instruction of our parent of our children should be gospel centered. We should be training our children that they are uh, children who are in need of God's grace and that they can receive God's for they're not perfect. They're in need of God's grace and they can receive forgiveness through Christ. And then they continue to live the life that God has called them to live in obedience to him by faith, by trust in Christ. And the legalist believes that by their own efforts, they can achieve righteousness by their own efforts. They can achieve the approval of God. And so I think a, a child who's a legalist uh, believes that their, um, their own righteousness is, is possible by, by being moral. And so you, you're training your child to, to achieve favor on their own efforts. You know, you say words like, why can't you just such and such, or, uh, why do you never, you know, listen to me or why are you getting angry with your brother? And well, the godly parent, the, the Christian parent knows the answers to those mm-hmm. questions. We know the reason that yeah. our child is hitting their brother is because they're a sinner and yeah. they're yelling because they saw, uh, dad yell last mm-hmm. night. So they know what yelling, look. they know what anger looks like. It's in them and they've, they've right. seen examples of it. And so instead the, parent who's who's exercising godly discipline says look let me explain the gospel to you let me model the need for the gospel by asking for your forgiveness when when necessary and so that's that's i think the contrast there so that's how it Mm -hmm. that's what legalism is and that's how a parent trains a legalist yeah this this kind of of uh parenting that we're describing is is really against very self-focused on from the parents' point of view, it's mm-hmm. it's saying I, I really want my life to to be more comfortable, to be more at peace, and that's that's why I'm involved uh, in my children's life. I want to be respected by others, so it's important to me how my children appear. Right. Um, and and again, that's the opposite of Christ-centered parenting. Um, and uh, you know, again, another aspect of that is anytime I think we compare. One child to another, it's it's very self centered. It doesn't help the child that that we're favoring, we're we're comparing unfavorably uh, with to to have that kind of comparison. But we're we're really saying, why can't you be like this child? Because this child makes me happy, right? And uh, um, that again is 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 self focused as opposed to Christ centered. Well, um, uh, what are some positive things that a, a parent can do then that keeps us from being uh, provoking. And we're going to move next to what children can do to honor their parents, but maybe this this one issue of are, are there is there any other way that we can create real healthy soil that uh, you would recommend for parents to, to uh, engage their children? Yeah, I think perhaps the key or the core issue there in the healthy relationship is uh, – developing that relationship with the child as an individual, uh, nurturing uh, who they are as God's uh, gift to that family and uh, helping them to grow in the recognition, uh, not in comparison of another sibling, but in who they are as an individual before God. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Well, this uh, program is called Revive the Drive. So I'm assuming that uh, children younger than 16 may not be listening to this <laughs> this recording. So as we think about children's responsibilities, I'm thinking more adult children. Um, mm-hmm. uh, in other words, I'm thinking about myself. Uh, my my mom's still living. Uh, my dad's in heaven. I'm, I'm thinking again about that uh, 18-year-old, the 30-year-old, 40-year-old. And uh, many children have parents 
that are difficult to honor. Um, I'm thankful that, again, my parents, uh, through my life, God gave me parents that were have been very easy to honor. It's just been natural. But that's not true for, for many believers. And this command to honor your father and your mother is, is difficult. So what would you say to uh, a person who has a mom or a dad um, who uh, have not acted wisely, have not uh, been loving, have not been God-centered, have acted many ways that are hurtful and difficult and are still continuing that. How, how does such a person honor their father and mother in that, in that situation? Well, honor obviously doesn't mean to affirm sinful behavior in this context. And so I think a person who's going to honor their father or mother isn't going to affirm anything that they've done that was contrary to what God would would have had that parent do. But at the same time, they're going to say, I recognize that this person has been placed in a unique position of responsibility in my life. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm grateful to God for the office of a parent, for the, the position of a parent. And I'm going to honor them in those areas that I'm able to. Mm-hmm. I think especially as an adult child, what this means is you're you're loving your parent. And to love means to sacrificially give of yourself for the benefit of another. Sometimes we think that uh, loving our parent means that we allow them to manipulate us. So maybe the, the parent will, will say things like, uh, you know, boy, I really wish you'd, you'd come over to my house for Thanksgiving and, and you, you've already committed to go to your wife's house for Thanksgiving because you've been the last three holidays at your parents' house or something. So there, so honoring your parent doesn't mean allowing yourself to be manipulated, but it means I'm going to conduct myself with them in, in a way that is what's best for them. I'm going to try to do everything I can to to point them to God, to point them to gospel, to point them to that relationship with Christ that will bring happiness and joy. It doesn't mean that we do what our parents want us to do, or it may even demand us to do, but it means we do what God wants us to do. Yeah, for their benefit. Right. Yeah. And I think another way to honor them, even if uh, the relationship isn't as wholesome as one would desire, is to thank those parents for the things that they've done right and and thank them for their provisions over the years uh, to recognize that part which is good and hope that that can be built on in the relationship. There, There's a, a common um, counseling maxim in uh, regarding people who who maybe are hurtful. It's it's common in, in the evangelical culture. I'm interested in what you – what you think about this? Um, it says you you have to draw boundaries to keep yourself from being hurt by this person. Mm-hmm. So here we have a parent, and every time it seems like maybe you get in a conversation, uh, this p- parent says something that is difficult. They bring up something of the past, or they're critical. Um, what would you say to the to that person who's maybe read a book or who's received counsel? Hey, you got to draw boundaries, which mean. Yeah, you basically need to to cut this person out of your life because they're not healthy for you. Mm-hmm. Luke seventeen brings up the uh, whole possibility that you could be offended multiple times by the same person, perhaps even in the same way. And Jesus says, if your brother offends you seven times, I think it is there, and and continues to come back to you and ask for your forgiveness, forgive him. And so there doesn't seem to be a indication of a boundary being drawn there in order to protect oneself. It's uh, continually entrusting yourself to the Lord and seeking the good of the relationship. Yeah, you know, we ask the question, who really protects us? And and where are we protected? You know, the Lord is our strong tower. Uh, the righteous run into him and are safe, right? And 
And so we never need to fear being unsafe when we are walking in obedience to God. We need to fear being unsafe when we're refusing to walk in obedience. Mm -hmm. And there are some commands that are very difficult for us. Uh, They're very scary. We think that this is, these commands are going to put us at in great danger or risk, but that's where faith it comes in. Yeah. Do I believe God's word to be the place where uh, the the uh, that will lead me to a path that leads to life? Right, and I think also uh, we we forget that communication is key there too. Um, you know, Scripture says if someone has sinned against you, go and 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 with love present that hurt that that sin. And if you've, uh, if they hear you've won your brother, so uh, do we go and say, "Listen, you know, I know that you might not have intended this, but that really hurt when uh, this was your action." And how can so if there's communication, perhaps that same issue won't come up again and again and yeah. again. Yeah, th- this this command from God again, it's it's not a peripheral one. It's, it's one of the Big Ten, right? Uh, it's it's uh, it's, it's, the it's right one there, the promise, right? right? It's the first one of the promise. Honor yeah. your father and your mother, and uh, and and it's it, so it becomes a pressing one for us as as we grow older. We're we're not required to obey our parents because we're not children anymore, but we are called throughout all of our life to honor them, uh, to do that which reveals respect and esteem, and we can trust God when we do that. That mm-hmm. God is going to uh, bring about the. The fulfillment of his promise, um, that it's going to go well with us. Right, right. We never need to fear that it's going to yep. go poorly for us Scripture if we obey Scripture says it. when right. a man's ways are right with the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. And so we have to remember that God is the one who changes hearts. Yeah, that's exactly right. So let's obey God and uh, believe that that God is going to uh, reward us as we as we just simply trust in him. Well, thanks for joining us here at Revive the Drive. We trust this has been an encouragement to you, uh, and may God bless you today. <laughs>